After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. That night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then tell my servant David, This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Walking with God, the sojourner. House, a place of permanent residence. King David has just moved into a house, and he feels bad because God doesn't have one. David thinks, I know what God needs, an address. And I'm just the guy who can make that happen. David has on his mind a house for God. Well, God knows what David is thinking, And God says to David, about the house, Uh, no thanks. I'm a camper at heart, and not just on vacation. You want to give me permanence. Sounds like you're the one who's interested in permanence. You can't know this, David, but a long time from now, Freud will call this projection. How about I make permanence happen for you? How about I make for you a house. As for me, I'm just fine the way I am. I've always been moving about in a tent 
God didn't want an address. God knows that with an address, people can start thinking God is settled, predictable, scripted, domesticated. In a house, the wildness and freedom and surprise and danger of God become damp matches. A poem by Yorofumi Yaguchi called A Tame God. You've trapped God in a cage, suspended him in stained glass, entranced him with organ and choirs, cooped him up in exquisite ritual. You stroke him with prayers. You've tamed him like a pet. The once jealous and ferocious desert god hangs on your neck an ornamental amulet. Throughout history, people have tried to give God a mailbox. And whenever they do, the picket fence and the potted geraniums and the porch swing are not far behind. People build a cage, and they think God's wings are clipped. God knows, God knows that whenever people over-associate with God with the same places and practices and things and events— then God is no longer the all-in-all, but the here and there. God in familiar places and practices, well, that's not the devil, but it can be harder to remember that God will be just as present at the credit union tomorrow as God is at 401 18th Avenue today. Put God in a house, and God will wait till everyone's asleep and sneak out. David, would you build for me a house? I've been moving about in a tent. I do poles and stakes and sleeping bags and freeze-dried pasta primavera. That's who I am. Now, living with a couch-surfing God can be unsettling. Unsettling can be unsettling to be in a relationship with a God who has no retaining wall, whose dance with us is intimate yet choreographed with lots of space and room for improvisation. The good news is, the good news about a God with no zip code is adaptability and mobility. Adaptability and mobility. Our God can and does show up any place, any time, in anyone's life. God is taking a hike. And the whole world is God's Appalachian Trail. A poem by William Stafford called Assurance. You will never be alone. You hear So deep a sound when autumn comes. Yellow pulls across the hills and thrums. Or the silence after lightning before it says its names. And the clouds' wide-mouthed apologies. You were aimed from birth. You will never be alone. Rain will come a gutter filled, an Amazon, long aisles. You never heard so deep a sound. 
moss on rock, and years. You turn your head. That's what the silence meant. You're not alone. The whole wide world pours down. You will never be alone because God has no zip code, because God is adaptable and mobile, because God likes tents. Such a God is very good news to Joshua. Moses, the great liberator, the great leader of the people of Israel, dies in Moab on the other side of the Jordan. And it is Joshua who must lead the people across the river and to their new home. God says to Joshua, be strong and resolute. Don't be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. The Lord knows that we all meet God in the familiar patterns of life. We do. Home and family and community and worship and the word, the familiar places. And that's good. That's good. God can also transcend the patterns and the familiarity. The Lord is adaptable and mobile, a God for all seasons. So when home and family and community and spiritual life change, God is still there. God truly does abide because God can move and move on with us to new chapters of life. God really is with us wherever we go. And God is still crossing all kinds of Jordans into all kinds of new life with his people. That's very good news. And then, centuries after Joshua, exile, exile. Israel forced to leave their houses, forced to leave behind the promised land, forced to leave behind the only home they've ever known. The Babylonians destroy the land and deport the survivors to a distant country. Even the memory of home is threatened with annihilation. The world as Israel has known it is over. Exile, a Nakba, the catastrophe of deportation. It is then that the prophet Ezekiel reintroduces Israel to their adaptable and mobile God. The book of Ezekiel opens with a long, long vision from God. It is complex and detailed. God shows Ezekiel his ride, his wheels. God has had this thing up on the lift for months. And now God is ready to take it for a spin. The vision is complex, even bizarre, but we can't miss, miss the forest for the trees. The message of the vision is simple. God is not tied down. 
God is free. God is fully ambulatory. God is a sojourner. God is a sojourner. The world as they have known it, over? Israel bound for exile? God says, I got wheels. I'm coming too. God is adaptable and mobile and with his people. In Ezekiel's vision, God does not have a tent, but a chariot, a chariot with mysterious wheels that can turn in any direction. It's a grasshopper on steroids. Not only that, God's chariot is accompanied by winged creatures who can lift the whole thing off the ground and fly. I know it's a vision. I know it's impressionistic. But Israel terminated? God retools. So the promise to Joshua way back is still in effect. God is still with his people wherever they go. This is from Ezekiel 10 and 11. Then the glory of the Lord rose up from the temple. God is leaving the house. The cherubim lifted up their wings and rose up from the earth and went out with the wheels beside them, and the glory of the Lord ascended from the middle of the city and stopped on the mountain to the east. God perches there in the chariot like a red tail on a wire, ready to take off like Air Force One and leave the promised land behind. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me in a vision to Babylon, and there I told the exiles all the things the Lord had shown me. The mobile God joins his people on the journey, even when that journey leaves the entirety of known life behind. Without precedent, brand new chapter, never seen before. David, are you the one to build for me a house? God's blessed assurance that nothing can separate us. Ezekiel takes and puts the paddles to Israel's heart in exile and shocks them back to life. God is still there. And then, press fast forward. Three generations of exile, three generations away from the promised land. And God, the sojourner, is at it again. God gives Ezekiel another vision of the chariot, this time a vision of the chariot going back. This is from Ezekiel 43. Then in a vision, the Lord brought me to the gate facing east, and there was the glory of the Lord coming from the east, that is, coming from Babylon. And the sound was like the sound of mighty waters, and the earth shone with God's glory. It was like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city, and like the vision I had seen by the river Kavar. And I fell on my face, and the glory of the Lord re-entered the temple by the gate facing east. When the time is right, God can move on. The adaptable and mobile God leaves exile behind and leads his people home again. The Lord moves on to resettle a cleansed land. David, are you the one to build for me a house? 
when all the familiar, when every pattern changes, you are never alone. You are never alone. The tenting God really is with us wherever we go. And the Gospel of John announces to us that Israel's sojourning God has come among us in Jesus Christ. The Greek says the word became flesh and eskenosin, eskenosin, tented among us, tented among us. Christ is God with us, still adaptable, still mobile, still in a tent. And finally, in Revelation 21, another vision of God, the sojourner. The journey of all humanity that began way back when in a garden, remember Genesis, comes to completion in a city, in a city. The first heaven and the first earth, all life as we have known it will pass away. And then the holy city, the new Jerusalem, will come down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And a loud voice from the throne will say, See, the skene, the tent of God, is with humankind. God will skenose, tent with them, and wipe away every tear from their eyes. Even at the consummation of all history, the goal of all time, God still prefers a collapsible, portable dwelling. And as the vision ensues, I saw no temple in the city because its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. David, are you the one to build for me? A house and wipe away every tear from their eyes. I wonder what all the crying's about. Maybe all things becoming new is overwhelming. Maybe Christians feel like they can lose their grip on God's hand when life changes dramatically, when life is filled with changes that seem to never cease. Ever feel like that? Ever feel like you can get lost from self, lost from God in all the changes? But you will never be alone. You will never be alone because God is a sojourner, full of adventure and ad-lib, intrepid and innovative, partial to off-script and off-road. So moving on, as we grow, as the chapters unfold, predictably or unpredictably, for college, for service, for job, for marriage, for retirement, nothing can shake you free from your all-adaptable and all-mobile Lord. Dear friends, you're tenting God really is with you wherever you go. 
And all God's people said, 